is worthy of all our praise. Amen. So we're talking about grace, growing in grace. Paul right into this protege Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangeth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. We're talking about that unmerited love of God. Amen. And so when we realize that his grace, amen, by grace are you saved, Paul says in Ephesians 2.8. Not a work, lest any man should boast. And we was talking about this last week and what grace should do in us. When we realize where we were and what God has done, it should draw us to him. It should draw us to be more like him. Something should swell up inside of us and cause us to, uh, you know, just get excited about what God has done uh, in us. Amen. And so... We was talking last week about some of the things that grace, we was finishing up. We was talking about grace should cause us to work harder. Amen. It should cause us to to be more involved in the things of God. It should cause us to want to share this truth of this gospel. It's kind of like grace is kind of like you found a gift. Uh, that now you should want everybody else to know about this gift and to be able to share it and, and to cause them to be able to feel what you feel and to know what you know. And that's the overall purpose of the Great Commission is to go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature because we found a great gift. Amen. God's unmerited love through the gospel has been unfolded to us and been imparted unto us. And we're not to keep this gift. We are to go out and to share it with others so that they can enjoy Amen. This as well. Amen. We should not want to go to heaven by ourselves. We should not want to hide this thing, as Jesus says, under a bushel basket. We want it to be on a lampstand so to give light to everyone that comes in to the house. Amen. Or, or everyone we encounter, they will be able to see that we have found something great and good and can make a life different and change uh, how people live and how they their outlook on life. They can see beauty at the end of the tunnel. They can see what is ahead. You know, as you we look and we think about heaven and the gates of pearls and the streets of gold and the mansion and that we will be with him forever and ever and ever and worshiping and saying as the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Amen. It should do something for us. It should swell up inside of us. Amen. We should be growing in this grace and to grow in this grace. Grace to me is to be able to to grow more uh, and and be overwhelmed and overflowing with His love, you know, inside of us. John tells us that God is love. So if God is love, then that love that Jesus had should be flowing out of us. We should be moved constantly with compassion. 
Amen. As we see, Jesus saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. You know, when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, all it is is a story about compassion. You know, the guy, uh, he went about to help alleviate the suffering of one that was left for dead. Amen. There's a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of people going through things. And so God's compassion, God loving us should cause us to be loving kindness towards one another and towards others to, to try to help alleviate their suffering and their pains and some of the things that they're going through in their lives. Amen. We should be overflowing with joy. Amen. As the psalmist say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul should cry out, hallelujah, and I thank God for saving me. Praise God. That song, after starting teaching this course, is taking on a whole different meaning. You know, when I think about where I was and what he's done for me, he imparted this grace, that saving grace, as Paul told Titus, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteous in this present world. Amen. We should have the joy of the Lord should be our strength because we realize what God has done for us. We should have the overflowing in peace. Because he's the prince of peace, and we should be walking in peace. And as Hebrews twelve fourteen tell us, follow peace with all men and holiness, without shall no man see the Lord. We should have peace constantly uh, in our lives. We should have a heart of gratitude. We should be thankful for what God has done for us. Amen. You know, the story of you, let's look at Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, verse 23 through 35, you know this parable that Jesus, I think this relates a little bit to how we should feel about grace. Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun, begun, excuse me, to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and leased him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt 
because thou desirest me, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So we see here this parable that Jesus tells us, amen. If we have grace, if we have received this grace, you think about how much debt has God forgiven us. You know, the psalmist says, Lord, if you would mark iniquities, who could stand? He says, but there is forgiveness with forgiveness of thee that you should be feared, a reverence. So when we stop and think about how much God has forgiven us, this grace, amen, that he has given us, we should be willing to forgive others, amen. And so, therefore, we should be overflowing with forgiveness amen, in our hearts. We should be overflowing with mercy in our hearts. Amen. So we've got to learn that we should be laboring more and more in the things of God because of this grace that he has given. And we saw last week how Paul talked about his laboring uh, in the vineyard. Amen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9-11, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was restored upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me, with me, excuse me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Amen. Notice he says, the grace of God, amen, that was in him, was abundantly, amen, and he labored more abundant. In other words, he got involved, you know, and that's what we're supposed to be doing when we realize how good God has really been unto us. Amen. So as we labor, we begin to realize as well that the grace of God should also cause us to be obedient. It should cause us to be obedient. The world celebrates today disobedience. You know, they don't want you to obey anybody. Don't obey authorities. Don't obey your parents. Don't obey. That's the teachings of the world today. But those of us which has received this grace, we should obey God's word. That's why James tells us, don't just be a doer of God, hearer of God's word. We got to be a doer of God's word. God's grace should cause me to obey the words of God. When we look at Saul's life, amen, Talk about having the grace of God, chosen by God. But when you look at Saul's life, he never seems to get to the point of obedience. He is always doing opposite, seems like, of what the prophet is trying to tell him to do. And finally, when God rejects Saul, then he somewhat tries to change his way of thinking. 
you know, and Samuel, when he comes to Saul, he said to him, you know, why have you not obeyed or did what God told you to do? And Samuel, Saul said, well, I've done what God told me to do. He said, well, if you was obedient and did what he told you to do, why do I hear all these sheep and cattle and everything else? God told you to utterly destroy everything of the Amalekites, you know. And you see Saul even makes one point. He says, I forced myself. See, once you come into a knowledge of God and you understand the grace of God that he's given you and you disobey, you're forcing yourself to disobey. Because now righteousness is in you. The spirit leads you to all truth. So when we choose to disobey, we're really forcing ourselves to disobey. Uh, Moses writing to the church and, I mean, to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 28, we know he lists this laundry list of things. If we obey, what he say? We're going to be blessed. But if we disobey, we're going to be cursed. Say, grace should cause me to want to do what is right. To realize I have been forgiven of how much debt. I don't have a clue. As the psalmist says, you as mark iniquities, who can stand? How much sin? I, sometimes I just wonder how long my sin list was. <laughs> you know, that God, forgive me. If I'm born in sin and shaping in iniquity, how much sin did I have attached to me? You know, that all of a sudden God says, okay, Rufus, we're going to give you a new slate. Wiped it out. And having that knowledge, it should cause me to obey him. Obey those that he put over me and, and spiritually Authority that is doing right and living right. Amen. The spirit inside of us should, should cause me, as, as David says, to, to be glad to go to the house of God. It should cause me to want to hunger and thirst after more righteousness and to be obedient uh, uh, to the things of God. And John, first John three, verse four, four through ten, first John chapter three. Verse 4 through 10, John says, Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abide in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth have not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God did not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that love 
not his brother. Amen. So we got to learn to do right. And part of doing right is obedience. And obedience really is nothing but the trait of self-discipline. You're disciplined. You discipline yourself. The grace of God should force us to discipline ourselves. It should cause us to realize I can't keep doing the same old thing I used to do and reflect him without receiving that grace in vain. Say, I want to. It should motivate me to do right because he's a God of righteousness. Notice what John said there in that 10th verse. You know, and this is manifest the children of God and the children of the devil. If I'm not doing right, then I'm not God's. And if I don't love my brother, I'm not God. See, because if God so loved us, it, we ought to love one another. Because God is love. Amen. So we have to get to this point that where we're not going to be disobedient. Amen. Christ, when you look at, at uh, Philippians uh, 2, 5 through 11, we, we see that obedience preceded Jesus even to the cross. He was obedient. And so, therefore, we should be obedient. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, we got to have the mind of Christ now. We got to renew our thinking, and that's what the overall premise of this thing is in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing your thinking, renewing your mind. Say, I can't think the same old way. I've got to renew how I think and how I see things because the grace of God is, is, is into my life now. And so, therefore, I've got to start seeing through the lens of God because God is a righteous God. God is a holy God. God is a pure God. Say, so I can't continue on the same way. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor what? Adulterers, nor idolaters, nor effeminates, nor abusing themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall what? Inherit the kingdom of God. And notice what he says, and such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you've been sanctified, but you've been justified by the name, in the name of the Lord our God, Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any of them. See, we've been born again. The old man is past now. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So I've got to see through this grace lens now. Say, i got to realize what God did for me. That's why Paul tells the church in Galatia 5, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty... When Christ has made us free, and do what? Be not entangled again with the yoke 
of bondage. See, in other words, don't go back to where I was and the old ways of life. See, don't put that yoke around your neck again. See, that's why we was burdened. That's why we had so many problems. That's why we had so much trouble. We was yoked with, with the enemy of our soul. But see, now Jesus tells us to yoke up with him. See, so I take his yoke upon me because it's light and it's easy. See, because I realize what he's done for me. So now, I, I, when I yoke up with him, I'm saying, okay, God, whatever you want, I'll do. Remember that song, here I am, Lord, here I am. I give my all myself to you. Here I am. You know, we become obedient servants. We obey them to have the rule over us. Because there's blessings that flows from obedience. See, that's what Moses is showing you in Deuteronomy 28. You obey, you're going to be blessed. You don't see too many people locked up from doing right. You don't see too many kids getting spankings for doing right. You know, because righteousness exalted the nation. But sin is a reproach or a shame to any people. See, so therefore we have to learn to obey. First Samuel twelve fifteen. First Samuel twelve fifteen. Notice what Samuel said to the, uh, to the children. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Notice, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, then what's going to happen? And you rebel against the word of God, you know, his hand is going to be against you. That's why when you go back and you remember what the children of Israel, you know, they could not enter the promised land because of this unbelief. That's why the writer of Hebrews 3, he says, today, if you hear his voice, he says, don't you harden your hearts as in the day of provocation in the wilderness when your fathers tempt me and prove me. He says, 40 years long was I grieved with that generation and I swore in my wrath that they should not enter my rest. He says, let us be careful that that same spirit don't get in us of unbelief. See, we have got to obey what God is asking of us to do. It should cause us to be excited about the things of God, the grace of God. When we look at Mary Magdalene, you know, if you look at it, it, it the Bible says that when, um, at the resurrection, you know, when she was the one that went to the tomb in the morning, and it brings out that she had seven devils cast out of her by Jesus. You know, she received God's grace. You think about it. And she is just head over heels about Jesus. You know, when she goes to that tomb and he's missing, man, it rocks her cradle. And she says to the gardener, if you take him and, you know, you tell me where he is and I'll go find him and I'll take care of him. You know, 
That's what grace should do. When you realize what God is, has done. How many demons has God delivered me from? Are you from? You know, we should be ecstatic about it. Think about the guy at, when you read the story that at, at the Gadarenes that, that was in the tomb crying night and day, cutting himself, and, and, and he, he, nobody could help him, and they put him in chains and he break them. But as soon as Jesus shows up and casts all them demons out of him, he's now in his right mind. And what does he want to do? He wants to go with Jesus. He wants to follow him, and Jesus says, no, I tell you what, I want you to go back to your home, and you tell the, what the great things God has done for you. Amen. When you look at all these stories of forgiveness, blind Bonamaz, he received his sight, and the Bible says, and he followed Jesus in the way. You look at Paul, you know, his life, it was changed. They followed Jesus in the way. Look at Nicodemus, after he sat down and talked to Jesus, you know, by all indication, he followed Jesus from that standpoint. You know, when you see at the end there, he takes him down off the, you know, help Joseph Amimathias take him down, put him in the tomb, brings a hundred pounds of, of, of sad to, to slither his body and, and everything. You know, there just seemed to be a difference in people's lives that Jesus touched. Look at Zacchaeus. You know, he's in the tree. Jesus called down and says, hey, today I'm going to come to your house. He goes with him. And the first thing, you know, he began to say, you know, Lord, if I took anything but thought accusation, I'll restore, you know, fourfold. And Jesus said, wow, salvation has come to his house for he indeed is the son of Abraham. You know, that's what grace should do. You know, what we have received of God. We should be some of the most exciting characters on the earth. Amen. We should be obedient in the things of God. That's what James says, you know, whoso look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein and be not a forgetful here but a doer, his deeds are going to be blessed. That's what God wants. He, he wants you and I to be blessed and overflowing with knowledge and understanding of him. Amen. Grace is reflected by our obedience to the things of God and the word of God. See, it's what God wants. Grace is kind of like the fuel that you put in your car. And obedience is your car. Think about it. You pull in the tank, you get a full tank, you just go. You know, if you got a car today, usually it tell you how many miles you can get on that tank. You know, and you just think some of your cars, you know, you fill it up and it says, you can go over 400 and some miles. Think about it. Man, we don't have them big gas guns, you know, like we used to have where you might get from here to Madison on a tank, you know. But you, but you think about it. See, that's how grace is. See, with grace and obedience, it should just cause us to keep running in obedience all the time to the things of God. Amen. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my Commandments. Amen. And this is what it should be. Obedience. Obedience. Amen. To the things of God. Amen. Grace should make us more thankful. 
No other gift gives to us in life is more precious than the grace of God. The Bible says, amen, it is by grace that Jesus was sent to die for our sins. Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 2.9 says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned it with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Amen. It was by grace that he was sent to die for our sins. It was by grace that the world came to know Jesus. Titus 2.11 says, For by grace are you saved, and not of works. It is the gift of God. Amen. Think about it. Amen. By grace are we saved. It's a free gift from God. You can't earn it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. It is by grace that we received truth. Amen. John chapter 1 verse 17. John chapter 1 verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 17. Amen. And we know that John 1 14 Tell us that the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So it's by grace that we receive truth. When God saves us, when God pulls us out of the world, we get the knowledge of who he is and truth is revealed. In our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. Amen. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. So if the law was given by Moses and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, amen, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, then we understand that neither is there salvation in any other but Jesus Christ. Amen. He saved us. Amen. He saved us. So it's by grace are you saved. It's by grace are you saved. Acts 15.11. Acts 15.11. But we believe, Paul writes, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. But we believe that by the grace of God, that we should be saved even as they are. Amen. It's His grace. If He saved one, He'll save the other. Amen. It's by grace that we are justified and forgiven of our sins, Romans three twenty four, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Being justified freely through grace. Amen. 
We have access by grace. Amen. Think about grace. God's unmerited love, the divine influence operating in our lives. The things that he has made possible for us. Amen. So, you, you, we, as we're talking here, you know, we should be the most thankful people ever live. That's why Paul told the church at Thessalonica, he's in the fifth chapter, he says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We should be the most thankful people. Amen. Being content should be just running out of us. Thankful. We should have a heart of gratitude. And be thankful. Amen. Second Corinthians 4.15 For all things are for your sake, that the abundance grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Amen. Be thankful. Let us be thankful. Rising up, thankful. Going to bed, thankful. Serving in thanks. Amen. It is by grace that we receive gifts so we can minister to others. Romans twelve six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that show mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. So we should be ministering, as I go back to last week, working. We should be ministering to others and to each other constantly. Amen. Because of this grace, because of what he has done, it should cause me to, to work. It should cause me to be obedient. It should cause me to be thankful more and more. I should always have a heart now of gratitude. Not just in November when it's Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving time, but all the time. See? That's why the Bible speak that they, they, they couldn't get in. They weren't thankful. A lot of things that God was doing for Israel, they wasn't thankful. See? And that's why many of them missed the promise. You have to be thankful. I thank you, God, I got a roof over my head. I thank you, I got a car to ride in. I thank you, I got clothes. I thank you, I got food. I thank you, I got a church to go worship. I thank you have revealed me wisdom and knowledge. Notice what David says. I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. And Christ Jesus concerned to you. Look at all the Psalms that talks about thanksgiving and being thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy and do it forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy and do it forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods and the Lord of lords because his mercy and do it forever. 
Thank God. Notice Psalms 113. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. We enter those gates with thanks. We rise up with thanks. You know, I may not feel good, but I'm still thankful. See, I got to let Thanksgiving come out. You know, because when I think of His grace, when I think of His mercy, I'm only in a temporary shell here. I'm going to one day put on a glorified body. As that song says, I got a robe, you got a robe, all God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my robe and I'm going to shout all over God's heaven. Amen. Think about it. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. He did not have to do it. He did not have to go to Calvary. You know, he could have rejected the cup, but he says, nevertheless, not the my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And thank God for Calvary. We have got to get to the point of nevertheless. With grace, we realize what he has done for me and what he's done for you. Amen. Through this, amen, we should have that point in our lives now of nevertheless. Even though nobody else worship him, I'm going to worship him. Even though nobody else praise him, I'm going to praise him. Even though nobody else pray, I'm going to pray. Even though nobody else give, I'm going to give. There should be something inside of me. Because of what he's done for me, that caused me to be thankful for what God has done for me and do it. Amen. Praise God. Paul writing to the church at Colossus in the third chapter in the 16th verse. Colossians 3.16. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. Amen. Notice, sing with grace. You got a sister named Grace? (laughs) Sing with grace. (laughs) Amen. Singing with grace in your heart, realizing the love of God. When you sing, you're doing it unto the Lord. Singing to yourselves psalms and to one another hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. Let your songs and praise be to Him. We exalt Thee. We exalt Thee. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amen. Think about it. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. See, grace fills you with joyful praise. Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord has made us, and not we ourselves. For we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Being thankful unto him, 
and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth and do it to all generations. Every generation has the same opportunities to receive the grace of God. It doesn't end. He's full of truth and he's full of grace. Every generation can have the same thing that you and I have received. He don't run out of it. His grace is always sufficient for us. Well, we should have joyful praise all the time. Even when I might not feel like it. He's given me, as Isaiah says in 61.3, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we might be trees of righteousness, the planet of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. When you look at Psalms 137, what was their problem? They hung their harps on the willow. They said, sing, amen, an old song of Zion. And they said, how can we sing in a strange land? So they hung their harps on the willow. The thing that they had that would edify and build up and, and magnify God, because the Lord says in Psalms fifty fifteen, who so often prays glorifieth me. And to him that order his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Say, no matter where I'm at, look at Acts 16. You know, that's why when you look at Paul and he's always talking about the grace of God, you know, think about it. He's been beating him and Silas. They're in prison. They're in shackles. They're in the dungeons. And at midnight, the Bible says they begin to sing praise and pray unto God. And there was an earthquake, and their shackles was knocked off of them. Amen. Amen. And they could have walked out. Amen. But God had a purpose in their lives. And the jailer brought them out, brought them to his house, washed their scribes. They baptized the jailer in his household. They had a good meal. Amen. Made all the difference because his grace. His grace, that's what Paul, the Lord told Paul, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. When you think about, if you're going through things, if you got pain, that's why Paul says, I sought the Lord to take this throne out of my flesh. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Just stop and think, Paul, what I have done for you. And that's all you've got to remember. And, and take your focus off what is causing you pain or suffering. And just focus on me, what I've already done, and what I'm doing for you. It'll make all the difference in the world for you. Amen. So we should have a heart filled with thankfulness and thanksgiving. Amen. Peter tells us this way in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Peter says, but the God of all grace. Who have called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, 
and settled you. Amen. This is just a little while. Amen. What does this song say? Just a few more days, weary days and end. I'll fly away through a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. But the God of all grace, Jesus Christ, who have called you by his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you've suffered a little bit. Make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trials, which is to try you as some the strange things happen. He says, but rejoice and that you are becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. And in Second Peter 3.18, he says, but grow in the knowledge, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Jesus Christ. Amen. We got to grow in him. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Amen. We've received the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, as you suppose, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. And the Holy Ghost. And so we have received this kingdom. It can't be shaken. Amen. Stable. Firm. Steadfast. All power in heaven and earth is given unto us. Amen. Let us show gratitude and thanksgiving by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Amen. So let's come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Hebrews 12, chapter 1, verse 1 and 3 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weights and the sins which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. Amen. And Paul told the church of Galatians 6, 9, he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. We don't give up. Now we have more power. Now we have more strength than we ever had before. Now is the acceptable time. 
Now is the day of salvation. Grace has given you an unlimited amount of fuel to keep you going. Nothing should stop you from reaching the finish line. If you didn't have energy before, you've got energy now. If you didn't have endurance before, you've got endurance now. Amen. Everything you have need of to get across that finish line came with grace. Amen. Praise God. That's the God we serve. So we look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. Amen. So let's link up with him. Let's yoke up with him. And let's keep running this race with patience. Praise God. And we'll pick up next week talking about looking to Jesus and cultivating our exercise and brotherly love. And we'll get there. Amen. Praise God. But growing in grace. Thank you, Jesus. Father, again, we love you for your word. Thank you so much for your kindness, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us and saving us, oh God, drawing us out of darkness and bringing us to the marvelous light. Lord, we thank you. Let your wisdom and knowledge continue to prevail in us and over us, Lord, in all things. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. Bless your people until we can be together again, Lord. Continue to touch those who are sick in body, oh God. We thank you again today, Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. In Jesus, Jesus' name.